Hey, it's Brian Cook, your host here. Wanted to let you know we now have t-shirts. Would you like to support the podcast? Have you noticed that I can't get a sponsor because this show's too filthy? Hey, it'd be great if some people ordered shirts. They're great-looking shirts. Go to estoymerchandise.com, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. You'll find competitive erotic fanfiction on the right-hand side. Click on that, and you can order shirts. There's men's and women's sizes. It's a great design by my buddy Mark Palm in Seattle. He does all of our amazing poster art. Uh, please support the podcast. It would help us out a ton. That's estoymerchandise.com. E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include December 20th at the Virgil in Los Angeles, that is the LA Championships, December 26th at Great Scott in Boston, and December 28th at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Today's show was recorded December 26, 2014 at Great Scott in Boston. And you're going to hear Dave Child, Nick Ortolani, Casey Malone, Hannah Fole, and Gary Peterson reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. First, you'll hear them draw topics, then we'll fast forward into the future to hear the finished pieces. Enjoy. All right, Rob, if I can get those suggestions, and please give it up for your round two comics that'll be writing based upon your suggestions. Nick Ortolani, Casey Malone, Hannah Fole, Gary Peterson, and Dave Child. Let's start with Mr. Nick Ortolani. Clap your hands for Nick. So here's how this part works. If he likes the first suggestion, he can take it and run with it. If he doesn't like it, I'll draw a second one. But then you guys will have to vote on which one he writes. Nick, your first option is Bill Cosby. I'll take it. There it is, Nick Ortolani. We're going for Casey Malone. Uh, Casey, your first option is Terminator. Oh, yes. Thank All right. You. So you guys are knocking it out of the park so far, Boston. Go for Hannah Fall. Clap your hands for Hannah. <laughs> Hannah, how do you feel about Storage Wars? Oh, yes. All right. Batting 100. I don't know how sports work. Gary Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Gary Peterson. Gary, how do you feel about The Social Network? Pass. All right. Ooh. It's fighting words in Boston. Uh, what is this? Oh, Senator Bernie Sanders. So, leave it to you, people. Who wants to hear the social network? Bernie Sanders. Gary Peterson, you got yourself a senator. And finally, Mr. Dave Child. Clap your hands for Dave. Hey. Ah, close to my heart. Your first option is Gilmore Girls. Yes! Yeah, why wouldn't you, right? Yes. Take it away. Your round two competitors, ladies and gentlemen. Casey Malone, ladies and gentlemen, your first round two competitor. You can do better than that for the very brave Mr. Casey Malone. All right, whatever. Fuck it. All right, guys, I got Terminator. Uh, Kyle Reese crouched nude in an alley, lightning crackling through the air. He had just traveled through fucking time. He remembered the last words of the leader of the resistance John Connor had said to him as he stepped into the time machine. Dude, you don't have to do this naked. You know that, right? (laughs) 
This is my thing, John Kylehurst. <laughs> Rubbing his exposed junk in preparation. Don't you take this from me. The thought of being able to show his butthole to some strangers in 1984 was the main reason Kyle volunteered for this mission. That and the idea of getting to have unprotected sex with someone back before AIDS was a big thing. John eyed Kyle suspiciously. Okay, look, just look. Just don't fuck my mom, okay, John said. You're not the leader of my dick, John, Kyle replied. Before the machine threw him back in time. Kyle ran through the streets, his tight haunches glistening in the streetlight. The air felt glorious on each cheek. People stared at... Oh, uh, sorry, we're throwing name. People stared at Kyle as he ran by, and the thrill made his wang as hard as a futuristic rifle, which I think was a thing in Aliens, but it was the same actor, so I stand by this metaphor. <laughs> so many people seeing my junk. This is great, Kyle thought. In the future, the only ones who would see me were robots, and those fuckers can't feel shame. It's just not the same. <laughs> Kyle stopped to admire himself in the reflection of a storefront. In the future, he wasn't much to, look, much to look at, but this was 1984, and with much lower standards, suddenly he had leading man looks. <laughs> While he was trying to see his own butt in the reflection, Kyle suddenly caught a glimpse of a woman with the biggest perm he or anyone has ever seen going into a nightclub. He instantly recognized Sarah Connor. When you find my mother, John said, her hair is going to look really stupid, even for the 80s. <laughs> What John hadn't said was how rock-hard those curls would make Kyle's dick. <laughs> Kyle walked into the nightclub following Sarah, but he was too busy, too busy admiring his own rippling bright red erection to notice that he was being followed. Followed by someone huge with a leather jacket, sunglasses, an incomprehensible accent, and an equally hard dick. <laughs> Wandering through the nightclub, Kyle caught sight of Sarah. He ran up to her, startling her and grabbing her arm. Whoa, who the fuck are you, Sarah asked. I'm from the future, Kyle yelled. Come with me if you want to live. Kyle laughed at his own wordplay. But couldn't leave well enough alone. I mean, C-U-M come, you get it. <laughs> Sarah was appalled, but also kind of into it. Again, this was 1984, and Kyle was considered good-looking for some reason. Just as she was about to respond, shotgun blasts rang out and people began to scream and flee from the nightclub. It was the man who followed Kyle earlier. He was massive and muscly, and his foot-long dick hung out of his leather pants, rock-yard yet somehow droopy. <laughs> who the fuck is that, Sarah asked. It's a Terminator. It's a sex robot from the future. He wants to kill us. Sarah was terrified. How do we stop it, she asked. There's only one way, Kyle replied. I'm going to do what I was sent here to do. I'm going to give that robot a hand job. <laughs> oh, okay, said Sarah. <laughs> Kyle walked right up to the Terminator, his chiseled, muscly good looks betraying a complete inability to act. I am a, a T-6900, the Terminator yelled at Kyle. Prepare to be terminated. Kyle leaned in centrally and whispered into the Terminator's ear. Isn't there some other way we can handle this? <laughs> Kyle kissed the Terminator's neck, the only thing on the robot veinier than his dick. A dick that Kyle was rubbing furiously. <laughs> Kyle rubbed that robot dick as if his life depended on it, because it did. He went right hand first, then left. He did both hands at the same time, hand over hand, or one big hand, or both of them. 
whatever. <laughs> Kyle didn't have a lot of imagination, but he was doing his best. The Terminator stood stonily and accepted the HJ, and Sarah stood in the corner, confused, but not about to turn down a free show. <laughs> the Terminator's legs buckled a little bit, and sweaty from exertion, Kyle realized this was his moment. Kyle gave it 110%, really jerking that killer robot off, totally pumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> With a Herculean effort, Kyle gave the Terminator's dick one last pull, ripping the robot's synthetic flesh off his robo-dick, leaving a steel glowing robo-wang exposed. I need to come on your back, the Terminator yelled. <laughs> Kyle turned around, letting the robot finish on him. Yes, California, the robot clamored. <laughs> As he climaxed all over Kyle Reese, collapsing in a heap, deactivated. What happened, Sarah asked. It was the one thing he wasn't programmed for, Kyle said, to love. <laughs> that, that was pretty deep, Kyle thought. Maybe now Sarah will fuck me. She would not. I thank you guys very much. Casey Malone. All right, round two, who else we got? Who else is ready? Round two. Hannah? Hannah Fall, ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands. Okay. The air at the store and go storage unit was dry and crackled with the energy of vermin infested sofas and the possibility of abandoned money. Jared and Daryl walked through the parking lot, keeping each other at a distance. Things were still awkward between them since the incident with a storage unit full of counterfeit Elvis peanut butter cans. <laughs> okay, we're here, Jared said. Oh, are we? Daryl replied. Because he was angry, but also because, because Jared's name was spelled with an O, and Daryl liked to remind him of it. Jared got, extra Jared got extra handsy when he was reminded of how dumb his name was. <laughs> Daryl opened the door and it, was bang and it banged open with a sensual bang! <laughs> Jared sighed and looked around. The storage unit was filthy. Not filthy rich like he thought he would have been already from dead people's garbage. <laughs> but dirty filthy like the thoughts running through his mind as he glanced shyly over at Daryl's gleaming bald head and aggressively bushy beard. This is a disaster, Daryl cried plaintively. There's no tragically abandoned money here. Just a bunch of copies of the Tampa Bay Times from the day after the Devil Rays won the World Series. These are beyond worthless. <laughs> They're just called the Rays now, Daryl. Jared pouted, jutting his lip out in a way that, though incongruous with his bulky, no-nonsense demeanor, was unbearably sexy. Well, they might not be called the Devil Rays anymore, Daryl purred, but I know someone who feels like sinning. Don't, Daryl, Jared said, running his finger along the nearest pile of newspapers, which were soft and wet with mildew. Jared, is this because of what happened with all the state's quarters? I just don't know the right way to touch you anymore, Jared said. Though his cock was already half-hard, filling, like, filling his pants like a bunch of forgotten yearbooks from 1959. <laughs> I could show you, Daryl said, feeling confident and aroused. Show me? Show me how, Jared asked, 
Not because Jared was stupid, but because Jared was very stupid. (laughs) Hush, Daryl said, and reached for his belt, which used to belong to a teacher before the teacher forgot he had a storage unit full of his grandfather's most prized possessions. Daryl pushed his acid-washed jeans and Bart Simpson boxers down his legs. Jared still wasn't sure what Daryl was about to do, but as Daryl sensually stroked the nearest pile of Tampa Bay Times, he got an idea. Um, Daryl? Daryl put his hand up. He slid his dick slowly into the pile of moist, decaying newspapers nearest to him and began to thrust rhythmically. Jared watched, awestruck, as Daryl moved his hips sinuously into the headline about a local school board election. (laughs) Jared whimpered as he watched Daryl make sweet, sweet love to a pile of rotting newspapers. Jared felt sad for an instant, thinking that future generations wouldn't have this experience. I mean, Jared had fucked an iPad, but it wasn't the same. (laughs) Daryl was pumping erratically now, pre-cum dripping all over a picture of a local Little League team. (laughs) Jared came suddenly without warning untouched because the truth is most people get into buying other people's garbage because they really like fucking it. (laughs) Daryl followed soon after. His, his... Nope, I didn't finish that sentence. (laughs) Well, you beat me, Daryl said. It's not a competition, Jared said. It's a war. All right, who's next, round two? Nick Ortolani, clap your hands. It was New Year's Eve, 2014. As Bill Cosby sat in his secluded home in Shelburne, Massachusetts, he tuned into NBC to watch the ball drop in Times Square. The program did a brief year in review and mentioned his scandal. His photo was plastered on the screen and words like monster and vile piece of human garbage were in frequent rotation. (laughs) Cosby mixed himself a Rohypnol cocktail. Once the source of his unlimited and until recently undiscussed atrocities, it now served as his only respite from his encroaching sense of dread. (laughs) Suddenly... There came a knock at the door. Who could that be, muttered the human tapeworm that was once TV's favorite dad. (laughs) Everyone deservedly hates me now because I'm a remorseless piece of shit. (laughs) As he opened the door, he stared into the face of Catherine McKee, one of his first accusers. Hello, Bill. Are you enjoying your night? Bill Cosby immediately shit himself, finally smelling like what he is as a person. (laughs) What are you doing here? Said the ultimate betrayer. (laughs) I just thought, it's a new year, and it's time for new beginnings. A glint of hope fluttered across the pudding pop huckster turned exposed anal wart that is Bill Cosby. (laughs) A glimmer of hope that was crushed immediately as Catherine McKee brought a baseball bat down on his feet. <laughs> Zippity zappity zooey! <laughs> Screamed the Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. 
as Catherine McKee dragged him by his stupid fucking sweater into his living room. I thought we could make this an intimate evening, she scowled. As Bill Cosby crawled across the floor like the worm that he is, Catherine McKee grabbed a letter opener that the pretentious cunt still uses and sliced off his sweater, revealing a body that looked like 20 years of diarrhea stored in a latex glove. Your Cosby sweater will soon join Hitler mustache in our popular vernacular, wailed Catherine. Catherine grabbed Cosby's pants and took them off over his head, breaking his legs in the process. He lay there with his unwiped ass exposed. His cock looked like a bite-sized Tootsie Roll that had been gnawed on by a dog. She broke her Louisville slugger over her knee and shoved the jagged end in his pudding hole. Cosby wailed in pain as his eyes, which once used to judge America, rolled back into his head. <laughs> Blah, America's dad! yelled the fuck trash that hid in plain sight for years. I'm your daddy now, yelled Catherine. Suddenly, there were footsteps in the hallway. Who's that? said Cosby. Oh, I brought some friends. Peer into the faces of your fuckstable. Fuckstable. In walked Chloe Goines, Beverly Johnson, Helen Hayes, Judith Hirth, Jewel Allison, Christine Relly, Joyce Emmons, Linda Joy Traits, Angela Leslie, and way too many other people to list here. They were all brandishing replica props from the movie Seven. They descended upon Cosby, fucking him to shreds with their dildo swords. Yelled Cosby. Oh, do you not want this? Chloe Goyne said. As they humped the monster into human chicken wire, they went around the room smashing his Emmys, burning his honorary doctorates, and dumping his jello powder into his open wounds. This is what it feels like to have your life stolen from you, they all screamed. Beverly Johnson sliced his dick off and stuffed it into his former mouth. Do you like the do you like the taste? Neither did we. And as Cosby gasped his final breath, the entire world ejaculated for they all knew something right had finally happened. Nick Orlani. Keeping on for Gary Peterson. Sipping a mint julep from a chalice made of outsourced labor. <laughs> Two men sit in the home of Ross Perot. The prairie wind howled like a baby in a dumbwaiter.
Bernie Sanders. I cannot understand how this happened. Perot. Now we took every precaution now. Bernie. How can it be? How can I, Vermont senator, third party presidential candidate, Bernie Sanders, be pregnant? <laughs> It's, uh, it's some sort of phenomenon now. <laughs> Think, Bernie. Think. <laughs> Flashback. <laughs> Five months earlier. At a memorial for known socialist Eugene Debs. <laughs> Popular in the 1930s. Perot and Saunders stand in silence, in tandem holding a copy of John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> As the simplistic tones of Pete Seeger carry through the three-person gathering, the two men's eyes locked. Perot took Saunders. He took him by the hand and brought him to a cave. Not just any cave, a sex cave. Not just any sex cave, but one made to arouse third-party candidates in a fevered mishmash of political naivete and human flesh. Perot leaves the room to slip into something more comfortable. Re-entering draped in only a nightie made from his copy of the Magna Carta. <laughs> wearing only the anti-Semitic sections. <laughs> Bernie's wrinkly yet taut ball sack tightened best they could. Perot began moving, untamed, unfettered and unfearing. Bernie tucked his manhood between his legs to perform an old mangina. <laughs> Imagine the symbol for Paramount turned upside down. <laughs> Bernie put on a Ralph Nader mask and began to stroke Perot. He started to throb. Perot tackled Saunders onto a pile of arguments that are pros and cons list examining Hitler's economic strategy. <laughs> the pros outweigh the cons. <laughs> Saunders started giving it back tenfold as Perot began explaining how capitalism is almost close to socialism, as all it needs is Saunders. Oh, boy. Saunders began the grandfather's last stand, a move he patented in his 20s back in 1947 that involves a hot water bottle, prunes, and a prescription eyedrop bottle. <laughs> Collapsing like the U.S. economy without a bailout, <laughs> Perot fell off as he 
as they twirled each other's gray chest hairs. <laughs> Bernie wished for one thing, and one thing only, that an immaculate candidate would come forth with the wisdom of Teddy Roosevelt's bull moose party <laughs> and the sexuality of Andrew Jackson's policy towards Native Americans. <laughs> Flash forward to nine months in the future. <laughs> push now. Come on. Come on, push. Go. It's coming. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the doctor raises a girl. It's, it's Helen Keller, known socialist, reborn immaculately. Now, this is perfect because she's blind to materialism and deaf to the cries of small business owners everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. Gary Peterson. And finally, Mr. Dave Child. Uh, sorry for this. Um, it was another always autumn day in Stars Hollow. When Rory came blustering into her living room to the sounds of a little girl singing like do 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 or something. <laughs> She sat on the couch and harumphed. Her mother, Lorelai, entered and said, Why so glum, chum? And said a few other fast-paced 1930s-esque dialogue that made enough pop references that firmly placed it in the early 2000s. Stuff like, hey, Britney Spears, and boy, is Osama Bin Laden still alive? <laughs> Rory answered back a reference in Mambo Number no. 5, but what she really meant was... Mom, I don't know how to suck a dick. <laughs> Lorelai blinked and said, Well, we're already way too close to one another. We might as well get, another get a little even closer. Unfortunately, I lack the necessary parts. Lorelai searched the Rolodex looking for a dick. <laughs> she thought about getting Sookie to bring her husband, but Sookie was played by Melissa McCarthy, and she wanted her to stay a supporting character for as long as possible. <laughs> before the world realized she's as much more talented than she is. She thought about calling Luke, but Lorelai's awkward sensual tension kept the show painfully moving forward, and she thought about that his dick was probably like his head, always had a backwards cap on it. Just then, there was a convenient knock on the door, and in came the tall... Long-haired piece of man-meat that was Dean Forrester. <laughs> Rory, he screamed. Sorry I've cheated on you, got married, and whatever I did before he found Logan, the guy everyone knows is the man for you. <laughs> That's all right, she said. The truth is, I've lied to you. My name isn't even Dean. That's my brother's name. Oh. My name is Sam, and my last name isn't Forrester. It's Winchester. And I've been trying to distract you because we've been off fighting demons. Supernatural demons. Just then, Dean Winchester came up behind him. He was shirtless and sweating despite the crisp New England air. But now I've returned to Stars Hollow. 
to hollow out that star. <laughs> and he was, he was pointing to Rory's butt. <laughs> Implying her butthole. The mark of Cain pulsed on Dean's arm as he took out the magic knife he used to slew demons and used it to cut open the front of his brother Sam's pants. Sam Winchester's cock was as hard and straight as the gun that bared his name. Could it be that it was even smoking? Perfect! Perfect, said Lorelai as she grabbed the back of her daughter's head and forced that magical cock down Rory's throat. Sam's, Sam's body once hosted the soul of Lucifer, now it only hosted a desire to find out how many more gills that Gilmore girl has in her mouth with his dick. <laughs> Dean slammed Lorelai against the stairs. He was still a demon at this point and so had crazy sexy demon powers. He plowed her up the stairs... In one straight line, the steps, using the rhythm of their coins, this is way too detailed. Um, skip that part. Until her moistness turned it into a slip and slide. Wrapped in pleasure, wrapped in, I'm talking, sir. Wrapped in pleasure, Lorelai looked down at her daughter to see that the angel Castiel had joined the fun. Sam Winchester was indeed hollowing out her daughter's star while the angel kept her holy virginity attached by keeping his throbby and jug phallus on, on, her, on her vibrating tongue as he commanded, Talk faster! Talk faster! Her high-speed dialogue brought him up to the brink, but he held back. Meanwhile, the the demon king Crowley was atop the coffee table furiously jerking off Robert Gilmore, the father of Lorelai, saying, I want to see this Herman Munster-looking motherfucker spunk. In like a Scottish accent. He talks. Suddenly, Castiel couldn't contain it and he came a holy blinding light that ripped little Rory apart and blinded all who were streaming both Gilmore Girls and Supernatural on Netflix. <laughs> Each and every audience member erupted in a brutal orgasmic flood that filled the earth and created the end of days. Thank you. Dave Child! Stay right here, Dave. Get everybody from round two back up. All right, once again, I will remind you what everybody read, and then we'll be voting. We started with uh, Casey Malone with Terminator, then Hannah Full with Storage Wars, Nick Ortolani with Bill Cosby, uh, Gary Peterson with Bernie Sanders, who just brought me a beer so he wins, and uh, Dave Childs with Gilmore Girls. So, pick a winner with your applause, starting from Casey Malone, Terminator. Uh, Hannah Fall Storage Wars. Nick Ortolani, Bill Cosby. 
Gary Peterson, Bernie Sanders. And Dave Child, Gilmore Girls. You guys really liked three people, which makes this difficult. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do it one more time between Nick, Casey, and Gary. So, one more time. Really sell it for your favorites. Started with Casey Malone, Terminator. <laughs> Nick Ortolani, Bill Cosby. <laughs> and Gary Peterson, Bernie Sanders. I think that's Casey Malone by a hair, ladies and gentlemen. Your round two champion. Line up, Harry. <laughs> He's over there somewhere. Uh, that's been our show. That does it for round two. To hear round one from this show, go back and download episode 151. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's a big help as are positive comments. And for more details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CEFanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.